2: And welcome to Total Saints Podcast. A big thanks for joining us. On this week's pod, we'll be reflecting on Saints' visit to Old Trafford, a game which ended in a two-all draw late into Fergie time. Alongside that, we'll also be looking ahead to Saints' penultimate home game of the season versus Brighton, and their final away match in the—it's not a derby derby—versus Bournemouth. To help me do that, I'm delighted to have the company of Steve Grant, Glenda Delacour, The Daily Echoes sports writer Dan Sheldon, and PA Media's Simon Peach. Evening, chaps. Hey, good evening. Hey, What a merry band. Dan, um, how's things for you? I I know we caught up a couple of weeks back, but the end of the season is in sight and uh, hopefully a little bit of a break on the horizon.
3: Yeah, all is well, thank you. Looking forward. Well, no, actually, I'm enjoying the season at the moment. It it makes a lot better when Saints are on a good run. But, yeah, two weeks off at the start of August, so that can't come around quick enough, really.
2: Yeah, no, brilliant. And... uh... Steve, um, of course, just moving on to you. We saw uh, from your social media posts a very complimentary iTunes review this week, uh, which uh, was predominantly geared towards you rather than uh, the pod. But uh, for those that haven't seen it, the quote was uh, Steve Grant is an excellent pundit, much better insight and more interesting than pundits on professional football podcasts. Um, so thanks very much to uh, Ned Atron for the review. I, the, the one bit that slightly concerned me was the fact that it's a professional football podcast. And I wasn't sure if he meant professional football all in one go or the fact that we weren't a professional football podcast. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously. Steve, good to see the family keeping in touch with the show, Steve. Yeah, thanks to uh, whichever anonymous family member that was that submitted that. I um,
4: Can always uh, always do with an ego boost, although uh, struggling to get out get my head out the door this morning.
2: <laughs> Peachy, you know Steve quite a long time, and would would you say he's got insight and uh, you know he's pretty interesting?
1: I, I would be surprised if it was his family <laughs> that, that complimented him. Now, uh, he, he, I've always, I always go to Steve to fact check. So that tells you a lot about Steve. <laughs> he's,
2: he's, he's, he's my knowledge base. Yeah. So he is interesting then. That's good. Yeah, and you're a good editor. Clearly. <laughs> we'll find
5: out tomorrow. Well, we will do. Yeah, we will do. And <laughs> uh,
2: Glenn, from your point of view, obviously, yeah, as Dan said, there, it's been nice to have some positive blogs to write about
5: yeah very much so though i can I can always find the the cloud in any silver lining um but no it's no it's all it's all it's all good fun at the moment and you uh, you look forward to writing them um mm. i mean i always I will talk about the sort of claude and Pellegrino seasons where it was just painful thinking oh god i've got to write about yeah another identical boring one nil home two, two <laughs> fee or whatever so uh no lots of stuff going on at the moment and it's uh yeah, it's, it's all good, and uh, it's very easy to maintain uh, enthusiasm levels, as uh, Dan said, when, uh, mm. when things are going very well.
2: Indeed, indeed. Well, on a serious note, we're always very grateful for feedback and reviews. So thanks for taking the time to, to do that. And um, just before we move on, also want to give John Tilbury a shout out. John's become a TSP patron uh, between our last pod and TSP123. So, John, thanks very much for that. I know uh, we've been in touch many times, so really appreciate it. Right. In partnership with Saints World and Saints Archive and sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs, this is TSP123. If you're sitting in your inflatable hot tub thinking... This is nice, but is it as nice as a
4: real hot tub? Well, visit Happy Hot Tubs now and find out. What, right now? It's just I'm in my trunks. The Happy Hot Tubs inflatable trading event is now on. Trade in your inflatable hot tub and we'll give you the price you paid off a new hot tub. Plus, 0% finance
0: is available. But only during July. Find out more at... HappyHotTubs.co.uk
4: Maximum trading value applies.
3: Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast.
2: Saints' most recent match was against Manchester United. It eventually finished in a hard-fought 2 or draw. Um, all in all, Glenn, a very well-deserved point in the end, adding to our brilliant away record.
5: Yeah, very much so. It was it was great because the goal came so late. Um, you know, is that old cliche, it, it felt like a win. I mm. mean, um, it, it, you know, obviously it would have been better if we would won, but... To to get a goal in the last minute, it's it's you know at Old Trafford, ninety seventh minute, whatever it was, um, especially the way Gary Neville had been going on all game on the commentary, <laughs> it was it was just it was just one of those beautiful moments, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it goes it goes in there with the you know with the De Santatis winner and the uh, even the Charlie Austin winner, it, it's just one of those you'll think you know every time we go to Old Trafford, you'll be you'll be thinking about this game and. Yeah. Uh, and scoring in the last minute but yeah it was a it was a a hard fought point, point um and I, I thought we were excellent apart from a you know the sort of 15 minute mini implosion mm. um we stayed in the game after that and um yeah when we got to the last 10 minutes i could actually see us getting a goal and it was uh, it was uh nice that that confidence was rewarded in the end but um uh, no brilliant brilliant stuff brilliant tactics all round great day for uh, ralph Great um, day for teamwork. I thought there were. I didn't think many players were particularly outstanding, um, but as a team we were we were excellent. Um, I thought Ryan Bertrand. I got to mention him. He was excellent, and McCarthy, McCarthy yeah. as well, pulled out great saves at the right times. But uh, overall. Great performance and uh, thoroughly deserving of a point.
2: Yeah, we'll hear from uh, Ralph uh, in a little while. But yeah, he did say, I think, uh, in his post-match interview, something like it was a great win. And then he had to say to himself, sorry, I meant a draw. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it felt like a win, didn't it? Taking our away record this season now, played 18, one eight, drawn four. Lost six. So, you know, bearing in mind our history over the years in the Premier League to only lost six of uh, 18 away games is uh, some effort. Um, Ahead of the game, Dan, of course, when he was speaking to you chaps, Ralph had said uh, to be a lion, you have to fight with lions, which uh, I think many of us Bloom and well loved uh, as a quote. And uh, it's fair to say we definitely did that.
3: Yeah, no, 100 percent. I can only sort of echo what Glenn said, really. You know, Saints started the game and even I was taken back by how high they were pressing United. Um. I didn't think they'd have quite that much energy, minus the the little blip mm. where they conceded two goals. They were just brilliant first half and the second half. Um, you know, we've come to expect that from Rav's teams, but bear in mind the amount of games they have played. You know, since project restart, it's phenomenal that they can they can continue that kind of workload. Um, it just sort of shows what happens when you've got confidence flowing through the team. Yeah, because if we had the results not been so good, I'm sure there'd be a few more tired legs. But you know, having said that, I would be surprised if it's a similar team that does play against Brighton you know Ralph sort of hinted a couple of times now that there will be changes um and I think that's right as well you know it's only fair to see some of the younger players come in obviously Will Smallbone came off the bench it'd be good to see him start another game Will ferry has been on the bench Mm. for the last few games so he might get a chance um but yeah you know I think Ralph started his sort of Saints tenure with a nice little quote about buying washing machines and guarantees (laughs) and you know, he came out with the fight like lions, which again, you know, when you're, you're always prick up when you hear that. Simon,
2: you were obviously there watching the course. Um, what did you make of all? Because I think, as the chaps have said, you know, very bright start and ending by us. Um, you know, it was a wobbly sort of 10, 15 minutes. But other than that, I think, you know, even as a neutral, it was hard to sort of say that Saints didn't deserve something from the game.
1: It was hard to remain neutral, I can tell you that. We <laughs> had you, you, you cheering at the end. Yeah, don't worry. Um, no, I thought... Uh, and I'm not trying to be smart to the point, but everyone I spoke to at United, I said, you're all very confident, but we will panic your defense and your goalkeeper. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if you score and, or a couple, but we, you will not be able to handle our animals. Like we're we're just animals in attack. So you just won't be able to. And they kind of laughed. So (laughs) as uh, as soon as that goal went in, they all looked over to me and basically I had a bunch of WhatsApp messages saying, don't bloody celebrate. (laughs) Um, because I was, yeah, surrounded by Manchester United people, a, a supposed neutral. But I, look, the Saints did brilliantly. It was energetic. It was hungry. People kept saying to me, why on earth are they playing like this? What are they fighting for? I said, yeah. what do you expect them to do? Just roll over just because you want to avoid another trip to Kazakhstan.
5: <laughs>
1: um, I thought it was brilliant. It, it, it's nice that we are we come away. Well, when I spoke to Opphemi after the game, he was saying that he was – Disapp- it was a bit disappointing not to have won, and you're going, well, if that's the mentality that mm. we're taking to Old Trafford now, that's that says a lot about how we've done.
2: Yeah, Steve. I mean, you know, Peachy's obviously right, but I think. It's, it's you know there's been a lot of talk about it, but you know almost epitomising our manager now the way that we sort of go about things and that sort of energy and that um, hunger and things like that. Um, obviously it was uh, a nice finish from Stuart Armstrong for the first goal, and uh, as Glenn had mentioned, you know Alex McCarthy made a, a brilliant save from Marshall at nil nil, so you know that made a, a difference. for Stuart Armstrong now that's uh, he's been involved in five goals in his last six games for us, uh, two goals and three assists, which was as many as he had been uh, in his previous 40 appearances. So someone that's really sort of stepped up since Project Restart.
4: Yeah and I, I mean to be honest I think he he was he was a very important player beforehand as well because he just feels like that player that kind of fits the midfield and the attack together um it was noticeable uh, certainly very early in the season that when he wasn't in the team um there was a lack of cohesion um in the side and we weren't we looked a little bit sort of unsure of ourselves in terms of what we in terms of how we were going to get the ball um, into attacking areas, but mm-hmm. when he's in the team, we don't we don't feel as if we have that problem. Um, War prowse can obviously um, do the box to box stuff as well, but I think Armstrong just has just has it a little bit more instinctively. Yeah. Um, whereas I think War prowse has had to be coached to do it, and I think there is there is a subtle difference between that sort of um, outcome. Um, and ultimately, it, do, it it is noticeable because I mean, there's no way War Prowse would would end up in in the opposition's six yard box, um, in that sort of situation. Yeah. Um, Armstrong just has that just has that knack of of um, knowing how to how to transition that quickly.
2: Yeah. I think obviously from that point of view, then Glenn, we we did struggle for a little bit as the guys have mentioned. Um, you, you know, particularly. Rashford and Martial were obviously us no problems. You know, Carl Walker-Peters wasn't getting much support from, uh, you know, Armstrong down that wing. But um, maybe, you know, one of the things we know that from a Saints point of view it was their third unchanged line-up. I, I know for United it was the fifth, but of course there's all that pressing that we do. And of course we went 2-1 down quite quickly. Um, we didn't really get going again until sort of, you know, after half-time. But of course in the midst of all that, and i uh coming to you specifically on this, was... Uh, Oriol romeo's um challenge on greenwood um of course there was no foul there was no booking there was no red card and var didn't get involved and gary neville spent about 30 minutes thereafter talking about it he's probably still talking about it now to his missus or something like that but um you know it didn't necessarily need all the drama but you know let's look at it you know through fair eyes here i mean we were a bit lucky to get away with that one
5: yeah very much so um i think maybe with the crowd in place we wouldn't have got away with that one mm. um maybe that helped a little bit but um i mean it was, i think
1: it, you're bang on i think you're bang on yeah. i think the last 15 minutes would have been very different if the fans could get on their back
5: mm. yeah i mean i didn't really see it because the ball was in another postcode and i was following the ball um it was it, it reminded me <laughs> it took me back to the days of paul Wotton. and it was that late it was dreadful um <laughs>
4: But I don't. I don't think Romeo saw it either. When you he see was it on the looking re- away, no. wasn't he? He, no. he, he? his head
2: follows the ball.
5: Yeah, yeah. But it's just whether exactly. he knew he was
2: doing it before he looked away. You know, it's, uh, uh... it doesn't it's, really,
4: it's, it's, it's not. It's not even about intent these it, days. No, it no. doesn't really. It's whether matter. you
5: endanger the player, exactly. and, and yeah. he exactly. has done. and He's got yeah. away
4: with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
5: Um, but I mean, Gary Neville going on about it. I mean, he, he usually I quite like Gary Neville, but he, he got a dose of the Carriggers yesterday. He was—he was horrific from the from the first whistle to last. It was—it was difficult to hear him as, at times because he had his head so far up Marcus Rashford. It was just difficult, you know, difficult to justify what what he was saying half the time. It was just—it was just rubbish, you know. This, mm. this and he was going on about the Romeo challenge, and this is a guy who played with Roy Keane. And it still makes my blood boil to these days as a neutral. That day that he kicked Arsenal off the pitch, basically that game where the Invincibles game where they lost. You know, so Gary Neville was that sort of player. Hmm. Even if he thinks Romeo did it deliberately, the, the hypocrisy was was stunning. Um, and he only saw it one way. You know, there was a there was a bad one by Wan Bissaka in the second half that he yep. didn't mention. No, there he didn't, was a. Didn't he? was a body check by wan on Ward-Prowse that he, he didn't mm. mention either he piped up when Che Adams went for a header and caught Lindelof so but yeah going back to the original point well, I can't even remember day. what it was now yeah, <laughs> oh, no, yeah we, were, we were lucky to get away with it and <laughs> we, yeah. we could not have complained if um, if Romeo had been sent off but it's a, it's a good job that, that he wasn't basically
2: I'm going to read a tweet out here. I'm not going to come to Dan or Simon because it's would be unfair because I think they probably know this guy. But there was a cracking tweet from a guy called Dominic Booth who looks like the Manchester narrative writer for the Manchester Even News. He uh, tweeted at 20.57 last night, quote, Matt Letizia is giving a lesson in ultra-biased punditry right now on Sky Sports. Incredible to watch. The irony of that tweet, eh? There we go. But, uh, um, look, I mean, Dan, so obviously one of the, the things that I mentioned last night and I actually was going to tweet it and I thought, you know what, I'll wait for him to go off until I do do that, was uh, around Mason Greenwood uh, as... Uh, uh, sort of mentioned earlier I mean I thought it was one of Ryan Bertrand's best game for Saints made that brilliant um, block from Rashford but really had Greenwood in his pocket someone who's obviously been the, the talk of the town recently
3: yeah I think you know a lot of the talk going into the game was obviously focused on Greenwood and what can he do against Saints like how great he's been in the last few games but I thought Ryan Bertrand was absolutely superb he's almost you know everyone knows he's a good player but he almost goes unnoticed at times mm. um, the sort of work he does do and I think that you know that block he put in I want to say it was either Rashford or Martial shot, you know, Rashford, towards yeah. the end. I mean, that just sort of epitomised the whole performance from a Saints perspective anyway. But, you know, I didn't even notice Mason Greenwood. And that's simply because, but I, I mean, I don't know if Mason Greenwood had a bad game or Ryan Burchin was just too good for him or just too wise and knew how to handle him. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, Ryan deserves a lot of credit for the performance. Um, and like I said, he does go under the radar at times. But, you know, there are times to say when he was brilliant and, uh, Monday night was definitely one of them
5: yeah. so there was an interesting tactical thing because Redmond played more in field than usual which basically meant Wambasaka had to play in more in field and that gave Bertrand the, the license to run Greenwood back towards his own goal yeah which he obviously isn't as comfortable doing and I think that that played uh, sort of like a major part in Greenwood just not being particularly effective but um you know, Bertrand did uh, did have an excellent game, but I think uh, Ralph had a lot to do with that as well, with the uh, with the tactics that he employed down that side.
2: I'm not going to necessarily dwell on it, but I've also got to say I thought Will Smallbone looked really, really good when he came on, given the the opposition and the situation. I thought he looked really calm and assured. I know Dan's a big fan of his, but. Um... Steve, I guess, you know, what I was going to sort of chat about was obviously the uh, the equalising goal. Um, we'll probably get Simon's take on it briefly in a minute because, uh, of course, obviously he was there to cheer it for all of us. But, um, yeah, he, you know, 96th minute, you've got Maguire, Mark and Juan Pazaka, which was particularly helpful for us. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously, bed and the wreck out, jumping three of them. And, uh, I mean, you watch the video back of Ralph watching it from the touchline. It's just a, a thing of uh, beauty. The only problem I had was my kids were asleep upstairs, so I had to do a very quiet sort of yes, you know, in the living room. But uh, a brilliant late goal and... Uh, Always lovely to see. I was disappointed Ralph
4: didn't go full Mourinho. To be <laughs> right honest. down the touchline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that would have been that would have been absolutely perfect. But yeah, I mean, United you know, defensively, I think ev- everybody has always said this season that they've got quality attacking players, but if you can get at their defence, they're ropey as hell. Mm. Um, and Maguire is showing why everybody w- has been basically just pissing themselves laughing at, um, at United spending 80 million quid on him because, I mean, he's not worth even half that uh, based on most of what we've seen this season. Um, he's kind of in the England team by default and will almost certainly remain in the England team by default on the basis that he's now Man United captain.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, so a player like that doesn't get dropped. Um, he's slow. Um, he doesn't read the game very well. And he seemed to kind of let the situation get the better of him in in that scenario last night because he was shouting and trying to organize people and yet he didn't have his own um scenario set up at all hence hence why he ends up wrestling his own player to the ground either i mean either of those two could have could have won the second ball yeah um and then the ball drops like half a yard from the line for for Robert Femi to um to bundle it in and yeah, and and then you get this this ridiculous salty um, um, <laughs> post match interview from um, sort of saying, they well, um, they've got no pressure on them. It's like, well, there's, there's pressure on every on every player.
2: The best thing about that post-match interview was uh, he got asked about the corner and he said, uh, obviously, we've defended corners quite well recently, um, but I haven't seen it back yet, we'll have to analyse it or something. And obviously, then, of course, it just panned to the fact that he was all over Wan-Pasaka, you know, so he probably didn't want to analyse it back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been renowned for Fergie time, Simon, but I guess, uh, as lots of people have been calling it, it's Obafemi time now, 96th minute.
1: Yeah, it's it's quite interesting to listen to the way you guys saw it through through the TV. You've got a better tactical idea of what happened, probably because I had my head in my laptop for the last ten minutes. And then at least you didn't have Gary re- <laughs> uh, Yeah. Well,
6: unfortunately,
1: the people at Man United had me, which was even more. <laughs> uh, um, apparently, the equaliser was the latest Premier League goal United have conceded since Opta began collecting goal straight- data. Right.
2: Not five so, minutes I mean,
1: So that is, is, that is. That is late, late. And Sir Alex was there. I'm not really sure how, because I think there's an over 70 policy, which means they're not allowed in. But I guess if you've got your name on one of the stands, you might be all right. Um, <laughs> go, just touching back on Harry Maguire, when I'm at home and I'm watching on TV, I have the crowd noise on. But obviously, at the ground, I don't have that choice. Um, and it's it's he's it's, it's genuinely interesting. And Harry Maguire shouts a lot. He's he is the organizer. He's the communicator. Uh, to be fair, I shout a lot when I'm on the football pitch <laughs> to make me look like I'm confident without the ball. Um, but he he yeah. is a leader. But the problem is, I just don't think him and Lindelof for a good partnership, which is why I thought they could get at they could get at them. But the problem with United is they've got about like, seven pretty mediocre centre backs, so it's always going to be a struggle for them. Where's and the hoots available? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and Jordi Klassi is a centre back now. Believe it or not, I what? Can't, yeah, what, I know. The, he, what, the five-foot-three? I was centre-back this season at Old Trafford for AZ.
2: Let's be honest, Peachy, as well. I mean, you know, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was caught on camera the other day saying he needed a left-footed centre-back, so Hoyt could well be the man there.
1: And Oli also told us, told us when we asked him in the press conference about that. He said, I don't know where you've got that from. It <laughs> was literally a video. Literally your words, mate. <laughs> but um, it was just nice to have that fighting spirit, wasn't it? It was yeah. nice that even though we don't have anything to play for, even though United have everything to play for, we were able to make the best out of the circumstances. Yes, we needed to ride our luck at time. I mean, we could have been one nil behind 10 minutes in because James Ward-Prowse had a brain fart, which is quite uncharacteristic.
4: It was his Stephen Gerrard to Denver bar moment, wasn't it? It was yeah. very similar, wasn't it? Yeah, but
1: yeah. The, the look of panic wasn't quite as severe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it was just a really good... I said Bertram was good. That, that challenge was ridiculous. I still couldn't really quite get my head around it. It was quite interesting that one of the first questions in the press conference was um, the post-match press conference to to Sasha was about ending the game with 10 men rather than why the hell couldn't you defend that? So I'm sure it'll be similar similar questions tomorrow at the pre-match press conference. So it, look, United, it should be underestimated. They're, they're, I know that, that there were 17 matches unbeaten heading into that match. They'd won four in a row by three or more goals, which is a Premier League record. They're in the FA Cup semi-finals. They're in the Europa League. And we made them look ordinary for a, for a large period, so that should give us confidence moving
2: forward into next season. Absolutely. Well, uh, someone else that was buzzing was Ralph, who caught up with SouthamptonFC.com after the game.
6: I, uh, I'm very proud for them because they really deserved this point. I think today we had 10 minutes where we were a little bit uh, uh, out of the game, yeah. And uh, you immediately see how qu- much quality the opponent has, but. Uh, it was uh, good that we found back also on our track uh, and, and then we stayed uh, brave and I think this is always the key for us to be successful if we are brave, if we do stick to our game plan and uh, invest a lot, then, then we are strong and I think uh, the second half we played also very good, good in possession, good balance, let the opponent run, I think we had in possession one of our best games so far, it was really intense, but yeah, absolutely deserved to win today. Now oh, win, a point. <laughs> It feels like a win.
2: Just finally, is this another signal of the progress you're making to, to come here and get a result like this against a team in such good form?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think, if, especially the way we played today, I think was not so was uh, you, not so sure that you, you get this from from our, our team today. But you see that they get more and more confident with every game, and this is exactly what we need. Huh? We need to work on our game, on every part of our game, and that's what the guys are doing, and then you get the benefit.
2: Looking ahead then, Saints have two imminent battles, not derbies, to overcome in the next few days. Firstly, it will be against Brighton at Fortress. Editor's note, 100% win rate in our last one matches there, St Mary's. Then it will be a track down the A31, A338 to sunny Bournemouth on Sunday for our last away game of the season. Starting with Brighton then, Steve, Um, what have you made of them and Graham Potter this season?
4: A lot of very pretty football and some absolutely horrific defending. Mostly um, they've been a hell of a lot better to watch than they were under Chris Hewton, Um, which I think probably doesn't come as an awful lot of um, surprise to anybody. And I mean, they, they took a bit of a gamble, I guess by binning him off and, and bringing in somebody who was going to play a more expansive game because mm. generally when the smaller clubs try to play a more expansive game, they end up conceding 80 goals in a season and finishing bottom of the table. Um, see Norwich as, as prime example. But they've they found some some sort of steel within them. I think they've drawn quite a lot of games. Um, whether that's a resilience or whether that's an inability to win games is kind of I mean maybe uh, six and two threes. But they certainly look as if they've got a better idea of how they're going to get results in games um, uh, this season, as opposed to the previous two years where they kind of doled people into. Uh, submission and, and sort of battered results through um, there's a more sort of aesthetic uh, feel to them now, which I think I, mean, I, I actually think that that may play into our hands on um, on Thursday night. Cause I think that's, that's the, that's exactly the sort of opposition we want to play against. We want to play against a team that's, that's quite open, mm. but we also want to play against a team that's, judging by the league table not actually that good
2: yeah totally they've drawn uh, I'm just looking at 12 games this season only uh, Arsenal and Wolves have drawn uh, more Um, Dan their away record this season reads play 17 won 3 drawn 6 lost 8 scored 16 let in 25 15 points Um, although I should add that they've not actually lost any of their last 5 away games going all the way back to the start of February so um, also bearing in mind that they've drawn both their Premier League games at St Mary's so I think we know that actually there's enough about them Dan that it will be a tough test
3: yeah I think so. i mean i may, I was looking a bit at their form a bit earlier on, and I may be wrong I'm sure someone will point out if I am that they've only won twice this whole year you know in 2020 um They're not a bad, they're still not a bad team you know their, their defense isn't the best, but then Saints' home form isn't the best either, so I'm sure they're they're come here and they're not I think Brighton are almost on the cusp of they probably are safe, but they you know a point or maybe three more will probably see them over the line. So they still have plenty to play for. I know everyone says, oh, you know, Saints have nothing to play for now. Their their season's over. But, you know, Ralph is adamant that they will go until the end because he sees every single position as more money to spend, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this summer. So that's why there's absolutely no let off from from his point of view. Um, But I think it's a game that Saints would be incredibly disappointed if they were to come away and not win, especially after beating Man City at home. You'd like to think that, like you say, given... Brighton's record this season, that they, they can continue that form against them mm. and then really start building you know, some momentum at home for next season and when possibly fans can return at a later date.
2: Yep. I mean, obviously, they lost 5-0 to City, of course, last time out, Glenn. Um, you know, there's not necessarily any disgrace in that. Not everyone beats Man City. We know that. Um, but, uh, of course, um, <laughs> you know, there were um, certainly a couple of generous goals in there. But I, I've got to say, I think particularly um, their, their new right-back uh, Lamptey, I think he's looked quite impressive. So, you know, we, we will have sort of threats probably down the flanks. Um, Basuma in midfield looks pretty decent as well. So there's, uh, as I said to Dan, there's enough about them that Saints will need to be up for it.
5: Yeah, we will definitely need to be up for it. Um, they've had a couple of days more rest mm. as well, which is going to be a factor, I think. Um, I I agree. Someone said earlier on that, you know, we're probably going to freshen up the side for this game. And I, yeah, I think we will. Um, but yeah, they've, they've got some good players and, and they, they play some nice football. They don't seem to have, I don't know what they that what their goals scored record is this year they don't seem to be rattling in goals all over the place no. they still seem to find them quite hard to come by so but it's, it's the 36 sort 6 in 35 games yeah it's the sort of team that usually comes to St Mary's and gets a draw isn't it or yeah. wins 1-0 so <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it, it's you know it's a it's a test and I mean I I firmly believe that everything we're doing now is setting up for next season it doesn't really ma- you know it doesn't matter whether we win lose or draw at the moment Really, in the scheme of things, but it's about going into next season with with confidence. And you know, we we had the game the other week where we we defended well against you know a team against Everton that left two strikers up front. We now want to try and sort of learn how to break teams down at home. So, you know, it's an it's an interesting test. And uh, I don't know, I'm not over optimistic about this game. Funnily enough, you've got to, you've got to think that. At some point, are, um, you know we've been playing well virtually every game. Yeah. Um, at, at some point, it's it's not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, Brighton will be a difficult difficult opponent, but I reckon we can do it.
2: Yeah, totally. And Simon, from uh, Saints' point of view, I mean, obviously it's been chalk and cheese since the restart in terms of home form. We were pretty average against Arsenal, but obviously brilliant against Man City. So let's focus on the positives. For Saints, it's kind of a chance to build on the momentum of that game against City at home. I think
1: the important thing for Southampton right now is that they actually can build some momentum at home, even though it's without fans. It's a chance in these fixtures, Brighton and Sheffield United, to get that winning feeling at St Mary's. Mm. Um, like the others, I kind of echo the, the concerns. There's only two days, 22 hours between the United game finishing and the Brighton game beginning. So there's that, not a lot of turnaround when, when we've been using the same side, and it's even less time than that between Brighton and Bournemouth game. Mm. So I think there has to be some smart squad rotation. That might harm us. In that sense, Brighton have need the, the win mm. really just to make sure and keep themselves above water. Uh, and as the other guy said, the, we don't have much to play for right now. Um, I think finishing as high, well, I think 11th probably looks like the ceiling given the the form of of Burnley and Arsenal. You'd imagine would get a win before the end of the season. So, Agreed. but getting that 11th spot, the, the more prize money we can get, the better. I know it's only chump change when you look at it really, but in a era or well, in a period of time where we've had all these losses due to coronavirus, something that nobody could have ever foreseen, mm. the more money, the better to to help us just with the padding for, for anything that we want to do moving forward.
2: Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, before we, uh, move on to the Bournemouth game then let's uh, have some predictions obviously the 96th minute equaliser last night Glenn I mean you couldn't be asked with a prediction the other night you went for 1-0 and of course you got a point for that because obviously uh, even though it was tools so Steve and, I, <laughs> Steve and I were on the verge of a perfect three-pointer there but uh, you know you win some, you lose some. <laughs> no, you, win some you lose some uh, so why don't we start with our guest tonight um, Dan you're always positive so what do you reckon for the Brighton game? Uh, I'll go with 2-0 Saints 2-0 Saints cool what about you Si? Uh, two one Saints. Two one Saints. Uh, Glen. Two nil Saints. Two nil Saints. What do you reckon, Steve?
4: Yeah, yeah. I think we'll m- we'll make changes and that will probably affect us. So uh, two all.
2: Two all. Cool. I was gonna go for one all, but whenever I do that, we lose. So I'm gonna obviously re- revert to form and go for a Brighton to win one nil because then that should work out well for us.
0: Saints
4: podcast, sponsored
2: by Finally then, it's a preview of Bournemouth next weekend. Um, Dan, in your opinion, where has it to date gone wrong for Bournemouth, do you think?
3: I don't think too much has changed in terms of how they play. I mean, defensively, they've always been vulnerable, but this season, they just haven't scored any goals. That has been, you know, I think they always concede bucket loads of goals every year but they can normally rely on Callum Wilson or Joshua King to to get a few to cancel it out. This year, they've just not had that. And there's obviously been sort of off-field issues with Ryan Fraser throughout the whole season. I think he came out in an interview with BBC Solon and said, yeah, I've not been trying for the last five months, which is, Mm. you know, that's that's exactly what you want to hear from one of your best players. Um, So that's still, you know, the fact he's now just left, um, Mm. hasn't exactly helped them out in this this situation. Um, They're not a great team and you know, Eddie Howe obviously gets lauded as, you know, a great manager and what he has done at Bournemouth has been good, but I think people are now realizing and that looking at his like sort of spending record and it hasn't been great. I was having a conversation with someone earlier and yes, you know, Saints obviously obviously spent a lot of money on Guido Carrillo, but they quickly realized that that was a mistake and just sent him out on loan. Mm. You know, Bournemouth spent 20 million pound on Dominic Solanke and he scored well up until the other night. He hadn't scored any, any within in a year, I think. Um, You know, there's almost a a naivety about the way they play. They're not scoring, so you think they try and maybe tighten things up uh, at the back, but obviously they haven't tried doing that. And obviously, I think Nathan Nathan Acky looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So Simon mentioned earlier about the way that Saints' forwards are are hunting at the moment as a pack. You know, they must be licking their lips at this game, thinking, well, you know, bearing in mind how much Bournemouth celebrated after they beat Saints at St. Mary's earlier in the season. Yeah, that, um, that won't have been forgotten. No, <laughs> no quite uh, right. Uh, you know, from conversations I've already had with people, you know, they certainly haven't forgotten that. So I think that will very much be on their minds going into this game. So, I, I mean, I'd, I'd fully expect Saints to put them to the sword. Yeah, maybe
2: you could just mention it on the Zoom call with Ralph later this week, Dan, just to make sure he's definitely not forgotten.
3: Is that all right? Can you
2: do us a favour? Just just from just say it's from Steve Glenn and Ben, it'll be fine. All right? So, uh, <laughs> um, Glenn, I mean, in your opinion, Dan, Dan obviously makes some really relevant and, and points. You know, Ryan Fraser. I mean, that's kind of a perfect scenario, isn't it? When you're in that situation, a player that you know doesn't want to get himself injured because he wants to not put himself out of a lucrative move. Obviously, Aki's going to be out, I think, for our game, which is handy because he's pretty decent. But yeah, just across the pitch, um, it's not really worked for them this season.
5: No, not at all. It's been coming for a number of years. To be fair, I mean, every year I look at their squad at the start of the year and think, How on earth are they going to they going to stay up? And they just about manage it. Um, I think Steve said a couple of weeks ago they seem to they seem to nick a cut of results somewhere along the way, and it just about keeps their head above water. And they never really get dragged fully into the relegation battle. Yeah. This year it's it's been different. Um, they have been kind of similar to us. Um, bad recruitment over the last three or four years. I mean, yeah. you. You look at it. Um, I mean, last summer they bought, I had to look this up because it was so, it was just funny. I had to, co- you know, I had to confirm it. Dan Juma, 16 million. Billing, 15 million. I mean, they are both crap. Really, really bad. Kelly, 13 million. <laughs> he was appalling mm. in the game against Leicester last year. But week.
1: Bournemouth have had a bad transfer. This is what has annoyed yeah. me for years and years and years. I've said it for years and years and years. Not, that's not right. They've signed Lewis Cook. They've had the worst Cash to player ratio, like good player ratio, yeah. of anyone in the Premier League, and we signed Guido, Greer, Wesley, and all that yeah. nonsense. But at the same time, they signed Brad Smith for seven million pounds. Well, He's, nice He's a nice lad.
2: Jordan Ive as well. For
3: Simon, I mean, they've just well, used him on a free. Liverpool, Liverpool are laughing, aren't they? Yeah. Liverpool have fleeced Bournemouth so many times. Yeah. 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 It's not. It's not just the players they they bought in. At the
5: start of this year, they sold Tyrone Mings and Lee Musset. Who have both had, you know, Mings is now an England player. Okay, he's not the best, but he's now an England player. Yeah, and he went there. No, Mousset has scored a few goals for Sheffield United, and and they've been messing around with Solanke up front. Now I'm willing to bet that Mousset would have scored more goals than Solanke has. Yeah. You know, the previous the previous season, you know, Solanke came in, Rico, Metham, all sort of fifteen million pound plus, and it's just it's just dreadful. Um, I think Eddie's probably been there too long. Mm. He does. He, he seems very uninspiring to me, um and you sort of one you know they came back from lockdown and it was just horrible damp of the team they didn't really do anything it was I they the-
4: they were genuinely embarrassing those fir- those first yeah. two or three games after after the restart yeah yeah.
3: yeah. Uh, oh, that Newcastle, like Newcastle, game Newcastle in particular. Game wow. But then, didn't Steve Cook came out and said as much? And then he hasn't been seen any. Like he hasn't been seen since. Yeah. I think it was after the Newcastle game or whatever game it was. when he said, "Oh yeah, you know, we've had an inquest in our own dressing room." Mm. And all of a sudden, he's got an injury that's keeping him out of action. And you just think, you know, I don't think Eddie Howard just doesn't like any kind of challenge, does he? No, like, all, all, just... all the people around him are his mates. Yeah, you know, Bindle yeah. a good friend of his. Can, can, Richard Hughes, another good friend of
2: Neil his. Neil Moss. You know, yeah.
3: Just to underline the transfer point, I've just brought up transfer marks
1: record transfers for Bournemouth page they've spent 8 million pounds on 15 different players that is Jefferson Lerma for 25 million (laughs) booking every other game Nathan Aki, Dominic Solanke, Arnold Danjuma Jordan Ibe, Phil Billing, Diego Rico Lloyd Kelly, Chris Meffron, Benneka Asmir Begovic, David Brooks Tyrone Mings, they're all above 10 million Max Gradle Lewis Graben
2: Max Gradle, blowing air
1: you just go through that
4: and look I'm I think not think they've entirely be sure player. exactly how accurate that is yeah i think Christ. the only the only
1: successes
4: in that will be brooks and ake i would guess yeah
6: yeah and, and, and billing's be... a decent player no but... billing billing is horrendous <laughs> <laughs> seriously no,
4: i He's not I've, ne- I've never seen player. a more embarrassing performance than than his against Newcastle. In the first half, genuinely, every time a Bournemouth, a Bournemouth defender had the ball, you could see him move so that he was stood behind a Newcastle player, so a teammate could not pass him the ball.
0: He literally
1: did <laughs> it on purpose.
2: Yeah, I still remember him scoring that goal against McCarthy at Huddersfield last year, didn't he? Yeah. When McCarthy died, around Steve it Steve Grant is an excellent pundit,
1: much better <laughs> and more interesting than pundits on professional football. podcasts
5: <laughs> Phil, Phil Billing, he's no Bruno Fernandes is he? He's, not, not, so, not. he's no, not. Why would
1: you ruin a good evening? <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I, I genuinely, by the way, I love you. Didn't I'm really, I'm really sad that those that don't get to watch United that often or don't want to didn't actually get to, him to see what he is about, because that was probably his worst display in the Man United show last night, which was a relief, obviously.
2: Well, but I'm taking full credit Christ for that, because tested. I made him fantasy captain for that reason. So uh, yeah, The,
1: the Man United press officer triple-captained him <laughs> against us. I went, that was a waste. Said,
2: yeah, that ain't going to work. Yeah. Carry on. Uh, yeah, Simon, no. right, i oh, sorry Glenn, you're still going, crack on No, no. I, was, I was just talking about yeah, You're still going through your list, go for it Yeah,
1: I was, I, was I, was just,
5: now, it? I was just looking at some of the some of the Bournemouth players You know, when they got promoted up to the Premier League They had like Sermon, Gosling, Francis, Cook, Daniels, Smith They're all still there, only they're all 33 now Yeah You know, and Eddie does seem to, as someone said, his mates all around him And he, he falls out with people Lewis Cook, to me, looks a good player But he hardly ever plays I, I just... I just don't get it and I hope they've got some uh, serious clauses in the contracts because I can only see Ake and Brooks being mm. really in demand I mean Callum Wilson's gone backwards this season hasn't he uh, completely someone might take him but I, I think they could be in a lot of trouble can't they're rely gonna...
4: on him to stay fit either That's no, the
5: they're going to get duffed by Man City aren't they and then basically against us it's going to be if they don't beat us they're going to be relegated yeah and we, uh, we're going away
2: from home aren't we so uh, just, just finally Glenn before I move on to Simon um as Saints fans, let's let's be honest. The Bournemouth fans always say we're obsessed. We don't really give a you know what about them. Uh, are we really bothered if they go down?
5: Not really. I'm no. not. I mean, I work down there, so I, I know a, I know a few fans, and they're, laughably, they were trying to compare it to the Saints Pompey rivalry, and it, it's, just, <laughs> it's just it's just it's just crazy uh, mm. to to even think that. They of course, as mentioned earlier, they gave it the big one at St Mary's when they, they do, won. Yeah. You know, fair enough if it, if that floats your boat, fair enough. I'm not bothered either way about them if they stay up then you know fine fair play to them but I suspect they're not going to and uh, I think it's going to be a long road back
2: yeah obviously we're recording the night before they're due to play Man City Simon um of course, they, hmm. they somehow beat Leicester in the most weirdest game that I think I've watched in Yonks, where they were absolutely awful for 50 minutes and then somehow won 4-1 in the end. Uh, I think most people would deem their game, you know, probably not against Man City, but certainly against us, but one person, of course, would obviously deem it must win. Um, do, do you think they're going to stay up? Or do we you miss you, too <laughs> um, do, do you think they're going to stay up or do you think it's too late now?
1: Uh, I watched the game the other day um, and uh, I thought there was promising signs. It did help that the backside fell out of the opposition in the second half. I can't, They could go down a bit like Norwich in the end, if, if the Man City game goes as well as, uh, as we expect it might.
3: Mm.
1: I mean, when they beat us in September, it's not a derby, is it? Let's, let's be honest. But it, it did look like, wow, maybe there is a new sheriff in town in terms of the best team on the South Coast. Maybe they can kick on. Since then, they've won five Premier League games, and that is concluding the Leicester match pathetic i mean to uh, and the other teams picking up form around them it just i spoke to junior Stanislas after the man united game where they did do well alright right they did all right in patches but ultimately lost 5-2 but he you could just tell in the way he was talking that it just didn't feel right it wasn't Mm. we're in this together we're going to go it was we need to stop talking and just get on with it which is is not what you normally hear when everything is going smoothly so Uh They're the three points shy of Watford and West Ham. They've got a worse goal difference than both. And it could about be play a play lot it. worse. They could be play play a lot worse.
2: It.
1: Yeah, a club that has <laughs> has, has conceded well, has an eleven goal worse goal difference than us <laughs> tells you something.
2: <laughs> yeah, it does it does. Yeah. Um, on on the flip side of that, Dan, then focusing on Saints. Um... I tweeted about it last night, but I still find this incredibly impressive that having scored at United last night, other than Burnley on the opening day and Liverpool, where we probably should have had a penalty, um, Saints have scored in every single Premier League away game this season, 16 out of 18, which I find, uh, you know, really, really good. From a Saints point of view, Dan, a chance for them, you know, it's been a fantastic away campaign. We know that. And a chance to, you know, very winnable fixture to end in style.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I wasn't actually, I must admit, until yesterday, I wasn't aware of that stat. I, I, I found that out just before the game. Mm-hmm. Um And then I was like, oh, bloody hell, that is some record. And then, like you said, you know, they're going to want to win the season on a high away from home. They're going to want to get some form of revenge for the way Bournemouth celebrated after that performance in September. When you kind of put it all together, it does sound like the perfect recipe for Saints to go there. You know, Danny Ings, I mean, has the golden boot gone for him now? Probably. Now, now, Jamie Vardy's found his scoring boots again. I don't think he'll win that. You never know. I mean, there's always a chance he could score a couple against Bournemouth and then it's all to play for in the the final game of the season. Mm. Um, But then the only thing that I worry about from Saints' perspective is that, you know, no one knows what's going to happen on Friday night when Watford and West Ham play. Mm. You know, depending on how that result goes, Bournemouth will probably know either way that unless they win, they are going to go down Mm. against Saints. So, you know, that really is, you know, I was sort of taught by Leachie, so I can't say it's a must-win game, but, (laughs) you know it's as close you as can You can. don't let them brainwash you like that don't, yeah yeah for Bournemouth I think it's the as, king is as, dead as, <laughs> long live the king it's as close as I think they're going to get to a game that they have to win Um God he has trained so, you well Jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah no fair um, enough but again I mean the the form book shows that you know like Simon said I think we say they've won five games all season you know Saints are on a massive high yeah you know they, they're showing no signs of slowing down so it, it does all point towards a Saints victory. Yeah
2: and just finally then Steve before we get our uh, final predictions um, yeah I mean as Dan sort of said there the pressure's off us you know we know that going can have them up for it again as Simon mentioned earlier about trying to get 11th spot it's clearly a game we're going to see that's very winnable and I guess the advantage as well is probably you know unless uh, the Watford West Ham game does go against Bournemouth we know that Bournemouth are going to have to come out and uh, attack us and that's going to leave the sort of gaps that we prey on.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, What has been interesting for me has been our attitude. I mean, as we've alluded to before, the the fact that we are playing as if there is something on the line for us. Mm. I mean, if you roll back to this time in the season last year, um, I mean, obviously, I know it's three months previous, but um, we basically got ourselves safe and then clocked off for five games Um, when we we had an opportunity to to finish possibly top half um, but at least sort of 11th or 12th and we and we just basically sacked it off Mm. Um, this season we don't so far we've not done that and that's that's been a huge improvement and if if that attitude continues um, Thursday and into Sunday then I don't see Bournemouth having the slightest of opportunities against us yeah just the way the way that they've been playing this season um particularly since i mean since november i think they've because um, i've work, worked out the league table from from that november international break and i think we were fourth at the time mm. and um bournemouth were were rock bottom with 11 points from 21 games so it's not a, it's not a new thing that they've been rubbish they can see 60 plus goals in the last five <laughs> seasons um so if we create chances we will score goals and then it's down to them to be able to score more than us and they're going to have to win so they're going to have to leave it open for us. And I mean, I can't think of a, of a more perfect um, match scenario for us. They're, they're going to leave so many holes and their defence is crap anyway.
2: Mm. I think you've definitely lived up to your review today, Steve. So well done on that. Um... I was going to say, that was really, that was move on Gary Neville. <laughs> one to Bournemouth then. <laughs> um look Dan's going to come on the pod after the Bournemouth game Peachy but just where we got you just before we uh wrap up the end of the season then you, you obviously made a good point earlier about that the sort of momentum that this is giving for for Saints so you know Glenn and I were both sort of scratching around ahead of the restart thinking god where are we going to get the two wins from that we need but all in all I mean this sort of run now to the end of the season has really given a lot of hope and optimism for Saints fans ahead of twenty 2020, twenty
1: twenty one. yeah and it ain't going to be very far away um <laughs> And, and, and it's also
2: an opportunity early doors next season. I
1: know we're a long way off, but a lot of the clubs that are in European action or some the clubs that will be in European action and have more international players, they're not going to have much of a break mm. and they're going to have to take breaks during the start of the season. So if the fixture list works out all right and we maintain our momentum, we could have some chances to get scalps that we wouldn't ordinarily get. Um, it's an interesting time. It's It's weird after the last few years to just be excited about the end of the season rather than apprehensive. Mm. Um, not worrying about where we're going to get our. Oh, we can get three points from that game, one point from that game, and maybe that'll be enough if the X loses to Y. Yeah. We can just go. We're playing good football. This is like 2016 again. Um, we might lose players like Hoyer, which is a shame. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we we're getting to enjoy football and yeah. um, and have a go into matches thinking we've got a fighting chance, and we're moving at the table. And look, I'd love us to win the league and the cups and everything, but. Given the way things are at the moment, I'll take this. So I'm 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 happy and I'm looking forward to next season.
2: Yeah, thought it was interesting uh, just going back to the United game that you bought on uh, Smallbone ahead of Hoyberg. Uh, but uh, there we go. So let's have uh, some predictions to to finish. Then obviously it's getting to the uh, business end of the prediction uh, league table now. Um, I'm going to start because it's going to set us off on the. Uh, uh, well, I apologise in advance, but I think Saints are going to win three-one. So that's probably a, a curse on the uh, the game. But uh, Simon, what do you reckon?
1: I would like to say I'd like to find out what happens in the Man City game first but obviously that's not possible so assuming Man City win I think Saints can win 3-0 uh,
2: Glenn
5: uh, 3-1 Saints 3-1 Saints cool Dan
3: well, Peachy's nicked my score so I'll go one more and go 4-0 4-0 n- <laughs> brilliant oh, I love you Dan that's good.
2: So, no, good good alright we can reflect on that on Sunday night Dan um, and uh, <laughs> uh, I Steve and I, I'm going to leave our professional football podcast uh Contributor <laughs> till the end. So, Steve, what do you reckon?
4: Um, I was going to go with four nil as well, actually. Um, but I think go I 5. think what? Yeah, well, I think <laughs> well, I think
1: what
4: we'll eight nil. We'll we'll do what Newcastle did and go four nil and then just switch off with in the ninety sixth minute and let them have a tap in. Right, so four 0 um, so, That was a nightmare for fantasy football
1: as well. Yep. I mean, come on. Yeah, guys, clean, clean sheet, out.
4: clean sheet bonuses ruined all over the shop.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of uh, TSP. Hope you've enjoyed it. I really appreciate uh, Steve, Glenn, Simon and Dan's time and uh, all of their contributions. We'll be back post Bournemouth and ahead of Sheffield United when, uh, again, Dan will be joining us for the final time this season alongside Glenn and uh, Steve. Look out also for some TSP news over the next couple of days. In the meantime, let's hope for a good set of results against Brighton and Bournemouth. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week and keep marching in.